the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 526 for July 10th, 2016. Verizon announces new rate plans, picking a keyboard for a tablet, and is this the end of an era for BlackBerry? My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, before we jump into the news this week, a brief discussion about some traveling that I did over the past week. And for the first time in quite a while, I can't even tell you the last time I did this, I did it all without a laptop. An entire week without an actual computer. So I set off uh, after quite a bit of trepidation about not having a computer with me, but as Joey assured me beforehand, we are really at the point now where you just don't need it. And really, boy, was he right. Uh, In fact, I'll go as far as to say that the combination of the iPhone and iPad suited my needs perfectly over the course of the week. So first of all, the iPad that I have has Verizon LTE, and I've also got a Bluetooth keyboard connected to it. So it was able to keep me connected for everything, uh, for both work and personal items. I was able to keep everything moving. And uh, in fact, uh, all of the show notes for this week's show were all done on the iPad, um, as um, was most of what I needed to do for work uh, was also done on the iPad. So I've got a virtual desktop at the office, which I was kind of the, you know, the, the safety net that I thought about before I left and said, okay, if I ever need to do something, I can actually get into it and do something there. I only used it two times. Uh, One was for signing a PDF and also for uh, scheduling an appointment that I wanted to do based off an email that I had. Uh, Honestly, though, neither was critical um, and I didn't have to do them at the time. I just chose to do them to, again, keep things moving along. But um, after a week of being 100% tablet, I really hardly missed the laptop. And if anything, it was actually a way for me to disconnect more for the week uh, while still feeling like I wasn't missing anything that was going on. Um, Also, some of the other main advantages, of course, you know, going through airport security was a breeze. I had three iPads in my backpack. I didn't have to pull a single one of them out. Also, a single type of cable, i.e. the lightning cable, was all that I needed for charging both the phones and the tablets. So definitely the way to go if you can get by with it. You know, it really is. I mean, that's uh, I've gone without a laptop now for uh, many years, almost since basically the iPad 2, I believe. Uh, almost around that time was the last time I actually used a, a laptop kind of somewhat regularly uh, when traveling. And, uh, you know, I, of course, I don't miss it at all. And, and, and one other thing, you know, you've got your Bluetooth keyboard, but you can also, of course, have uh, an external monitor. Like if you were at some place where there's a TV you could hook up to, you could have used a bigger screen as well uh, with your iPad and iPhone. Yeah, and in fact, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I actually did try to do that, and the setup that I have did not work, um, and uh, which I had never realized before. I have a, an HDMI to 30-pin connector, and I tried to then connect a, a Lightning to 30-pin adapter to that 30-pin connector, and then and, and all of those pieces together didn't work. The the iPad basically said, I, I, I can't do this. This this adapter, this uh, accessory is not supported, I think is what it said. But to your point, if I were to actually, if I really needed to be able to do that, um, I, in fact, I do have one that connects up to VGA, uh, but obviously HDMI is a much more of a standard right now as it goes in hotel rooms, rental properties, et cetera. So um, anyway, but yeah, that was, um, it, it was a very, it was a very interesting experiment. And truthfully, one of the biggest things that's caused me to not be able to travel without a laptop over the past almost 10 years now it'll be 10 years uh, next week uh, that we've been doing this show uh, is the show itself. Um, this is a, a show that is obviously uh, created on a computer. We do a video section of it so that we can make sure that we're communicating properly with each other. The recording is done. The editing is done all on the computer. 
And to do it 52 times a year, uh, every single weekend, there, it's almost impossible to, to be able to go anywhere for more than a couple of days and not bring a computer. We happen to have a stretch of time be, while I was traveling where we recorded the show early last week and we're recording it a little bit later this week. And so ultimately able to do it and not have to bring the computer. So if, if that is that has kind of been the one thing that's been the, the anchor of why the anchor laptop has come with me is because we've got to get a show done every week. But it is it is uh, something that with other than that I absolutely didn't need to have anything more powerful than an iPad and seriously you know we could actually work around that as well with portable microphones USB powered microphones and some of the new accessories they have with lightning you can record with the the iPad uh, obviously you'd probably need your iPhone for the show notes as you're uh, you know looking through the notes as a recording but it is possible to work around work around it in that case even yeah, that's very true. And, you know, a little bit of irony in this whole thing that uh, for those of you that listened to the show, I think it was 523 uh, where we had I had uh, some terrible audio problems. Uh, that was, of course, I was traveling. I was on the road then as well. And uh, the microphone that I had with me ended up failing. And so I fortunately we do these backup recordings. And so that's what I was able to post. But uh, ultimately, it's very interesting that that was the the last time that I had tried to do this and it didn't work. So when I when this trip came up, it was like, all right, Joey, let's let's figure out a, a way to do this. So we don't. And in fact, you were traveling a bit, too, over this period of time. So we figured it out so that we didn't have to do that. But um, either way, so that was, uh, again, some commentary on that. Definitely, like I said, the way to go, especially if you're on a vacation, uh, but you still want to make sure that you're staying on top of things. It's, it's a great way to go. Yeah, I mean, you, you go on vacation for a reason. I mean, the, the studies have shown numerous times that, you know, actually disconnecting from work uh, and, you know, actually enjoying a vacation is very good for your productivity. Absolutely, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the other part of this is that I it, it's one part is disconnecting the other part is not feeling like you are you're going to be facing this mountain of work when you get back and so you've got to you've got to figure out where your happy medium is and that I, I absolutely felt that way this time so um, the, the other piece of this was um, the Apple Watch uh, that was a great companion for the week um, some comments about its durability uh, if you have if you don't have one or maybe you have one but you 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 baby it I guess I'll just say um, it will surprise you with its durability um, I used it the entire week uh, being out and about uh, I was out in the mountains of Colorado uh, we were doing hiking um, I did multiple swims uh, with my kids in a swimming pool never took the thing off um, you know being waterproof is something you very rarely hear commentary about it but I think it's one of the biggest features um, you know the phone sits on the pool chair uh, while you're at the pool you leave your your watch on you're in the pool and uh, was able to swim around literally had the thing underwater for minutes you know 15 minutes at a time I'm sure uh, I would get a text message from my wife use Siri to respond very handy uh, you know to be able to do this and so I, I just absolutely I think it's it's amazing just how durable it is now uh, there I'm not suggesting that it is completely waterproof all I'm saying is that I've been able to use it in the water without any issues that's great. Uh, I, 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 on the other hand, have not really ever gotten it wet. I, I'm too scared to, really. I'm telling you. I mean, I sat in a hot tub with it as well for like 10 minutes, and the only thing I ever noticed was that apparently being underwater um, obstructs the connectivity uh, with the Bluetooth uh, so that it actually disconnects from the watch. Uh, so then as soon as you pull it out of the water, it reconnects with the watch, and then it's fine. But so anyway, Bluetooth doesn't go through water very well, just FYI. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, very, very durable and, and certainly it was something that I, I was having fun with uh, just having it on and being able to uh, be able to use around. So, And I brought the watch for the first time on my trip over the 4th. It was just a, you know, a, a three-day trip, but I did uh, bring it for the first time ever, so I unplugged the charger and brought that with, of course, because you need that uh, basically every day. And I, actually, I really did like having it. It, it. it was more useful on vacation than I thought it was going to be. 
I've, uh, I guess, you know, we've, we both have these little stands, these, that these black stands for it. And I think that's been one of your, the biggest obstructions for you is having to, did you take it out of the stand? Or no, I just wrapped the, the cord is like eight miles long. So I just wrapped it around the thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I know I've done that too. Um, I've also taken, I've taken the cord in and out of it a couple of times now. So it, um, it, it's not as tight in there anymore. So it's easier to, it's easier to just pull it out and take it when I'm trapped. But again, I think I've done this now maybe four times. I, I don't travel all that often. So, uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Very handy to, of course, have uh, the watch with you while you're traveling. Uh, finally, uh, before we jump into the news, a couple of comments about T-Mobile in rural areas. Um, like I mentioned, the trip was in Colorado, including the areas of Denver, Fort Collins, uh, out west to the western slope of Steamboat Springs, and then also up through Laramie and Cheyenne, Wyoming. So it was uh, w- one thing that was very apparent is that T-Mobile still really struggles to keep up with the coverage here out west, especially in, in these these areas that I was at. Um, on the flip side, there, they, there was very good coverage uh, from a local carrier called Union Wireless. So I got great coverage throughout um, the majority of the areas that I spent, both in the mountains and also in southern Wyoming. But the interesting issue with that was that it was voice only and no data. So it was, for the most part, showing edge, but there was no data at all. I mean, it would not, it would said like cellular data is not, not active or not connected. So how annoying is that? You're in the U.S. and you can't get roaming data, but you can go to Europe and get free roaming data. Exactly. And, and I, I, I checked the settings on the phone. I, roaming was enabled. Data roaming is enabled. I, I have no idea what was going on. But anyway, uh, an issue. If you happen to be in Colorado, have T-Mobile, no what's going on here with Union Wireless and, and can give me some pointers on this for the next time I go. would love to love to know what was going on. But um, yeah, I was able to make voice calls just fine. Uh, in fact, I even called 611 and got the T-Mobile, you know, uh, customer service. I didn't get something, some random Union Wireless thing. So uh, however, all of that uh, is really no big deal because I had the Verizon SIM card in the iPad. So in and, and further, it, these areas that uh, I did not have T-Mobile, we were just driving through. And so I didn't really need to do anything on the phone, just just something that I noticed and was able, we were both able to connect uh, our iPhones, my wife and I, to the iPad uh, over a tether, uh, wireless tether, which uh, allowed us to do different things on the phone, like searching for, you know, restaurants and stuff like that as we were driving. So uh, it, it worked out just fine. Um, and, and actually, it, it proved to me something um, and forced me to make a phone call this morning. And that what it proved to me was that uh, it is a very nice thing to have two different networks or two different carriers uh, on your tablet and phone if it's something that you can get away with and I can because one is a is a business device and uh, just because there may be areas where you don't have service on on one or the other and I've actually had the experience where I haven't had Verizon service and uh, have tethered the the iPad to the phone uh, on the other direction too but in this case it was Verizon had the superior network and so that's what I was using Um, and uh, one of the other things I noticed was for on my wife's phone, of course, she's got her own iCloud account. I've got my own iCloud account. So you've got that instant portable hotspot tether thing that happens. So on the phone, you go into Wi-Fi and it'll show your iPad if it's within Bluetooth range and you click on it and that basically starts the personal hotspot function. What it also does then is it opens up the personal hotspot. So then my as soon as I would connect, my wife's phone would instantly connect to the iPad as well because we had connected her previously at some point to that iPad. And so it, it worked out where she then was connected. Uh, however, if and would stay connected as long as, as she was she was on it, but she couldn't 
do it, she couldn't connect to the iPad unless I started the connection first. But it's interesting how basically it, it flips the switch wirelessly if you're doing that from a device that you have and then any other devices that are uh, i'll say in the area can can then connect up to it as well um which is kind of an interesting thing i guess if it's something that you uh if you wanted to do and you've got other people that are around and and you don't have physical access i.e like i didn't where i was sitting in a bag in the back trunk of the vehicle and i just was happened to be with my phone only in the front of the car so Kind of an interesting thing there, but either way, um, that was my experience there with T-Mobile, and, and really pointed out that you know, as as good as they are, and as good as far as they've come, they are still not uh, in the the vast you know swaths of uh, the the West. They are still not uh, up to par with what you have with Verizon, etc. Well, a quick clarification uh, before we jump into the news uh, about the Android Nougat announcement from last week. Google announced in the YouTube video description of the OS release that Nougat will indeed be Android 7.0, so no more speculation required on what the next major version will be called. In the do- Into the news, AT&T and Verizon began allowing select customers to place voiceover LTE calls to one another recently. The carrier's deployment of interoperable voiceover LTE is behind schedule, but both carriers believe they have things on track now. According to an AT&T spokesperson, they said currently we're working with Verizon to allow our customers to enjoy that clear audio quality and video calling features that come with voiceover LTE when placing calls to Verizon customers and vice versa. Now, in December, we first saw a a voiceover LTE exchange between the customers and in Verizon's limited areas, uh, though they said they're working with others on the same feature. AT&T didn't say which markets support interoperable voiceover LTE, and Verizon did not comment about the deployment at all. There's no word if or when it will expand to a greater number of customers. It requires that both the caller and recipient have compatible handsets and LTE coverage in order to function properly. VoiceOver LTE paves the way for HD voice calling, uh, as well as RCS-based services such as rich messaging and video calls. Now, something interesting that I've noticed is that you don't necessarily on T-Mobile have to have the upgraded, uh, you don't have to have LTE in order to get these this upgraded HD voice. Even over the 4G network, uh, which is HSDPA or HSPA, on T-Mobile, it does work to have that HD voice, which is a nice thing. So uh, every single call I make essentially to my wife is got this higher quality, which I absolutely love. It's a, it's a great way to go. And nice to see finally here, Joey, that we've got ourselves uh, some interoperability stuff coming. Right. And we need uh, the HD voice to come quicker. I can't believe how long this has taken to get this, uh, you know, higher quality phone calls. But I do love uh, love it when I do get a uh, an HD voice call on Verizon. Yeah, it, it's it's almost shocking at just how much better it is. And, and so, I, yes, like you, I cannot wait to see more of this come. Verizon recently said it will give customers up to $100 to refer friends and family to their network via Facebook or Twitter. Customers will have to authenticate their My Verizon credentials and create an official uh, referring through Facebook or Twitter. The recipient needs to see the referral on Facebook or Twitter, click on it, and then create a new Verizon account online or in stores. Verizon is offering $25 for one, $50 for two, or $100 for three or more referrals. The new line must be active for 45 days before Verizon will send the corresponding amount via Visa gift card. Verizon also recently announced that customers can trade in an old flagship smartphone for up to $300 off of a new flagship device. The promotion is limited to certain handsets, including the Samsung Galaxy Note 5, S6, and S6 Edge and Edge Plus, the HTC M9, Apple iPhone 6, and LG G4 or V10. All of those will offer $300 credits. The phones must be in good working order and good cosmetic condition. Old other phones traded in will receive a lesser amount to be determined by Verizon. The program also requires 
requires customers to activate a new line, upgrade, or switch to Verizon and then purchase a new device on a monthly payment plan. Customers can use the $300 towards an iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, HTC 10, LG G5, Samsung Galaxy S7, S7 Edge, and Note 5, or the Motorola Droid Turbo 2 or Max 2. Verizon, that'd be a Note 6, I believe. Verizon suggests customers uh, can also trade in these devices at uh, Verizon stores, which the credit will then be applied directly to the account immediately. The company is also offering the promotion through its website. Customers will receive that gift card. Uh, well, uh, well, existing customers will get, be given an account credit. Verizon didn't say how long the trade-in program will run. Well, CNET broke news on Monday suggesting that Verizon data plans are about to see a price increase along with feature changes. And right on cue, on Wednesday, Verizon announced the new Verizon plan. This is a completely new plan and also a new My Verizon application for mobile devices. So first, the application makes it easy for customers to see how much data they used each month and add more data to their plan if needed. It provides a simplified bill that's easier to see, understand, and pay each month. Verizon hopes the application will serve as a stand-in for store visits and support calls for managing customer issues. Customers, of course, can still visit or call if they wish. In addition to the app, Verizon adjusted its service plan pricing and data allotments. In general, the company added 30% more data to each monthly data bucket, along with a price increase of $5 to $10. So you still have the small, medium, large, and extra large, as well as the extra, extra large plans. And they now include, uh, for $35 a month, the small plan is 2 gigs. Medium is $40 a month, and it's 4 gigs. Large is $70, and it's 8 gigs. And the XL, $90 for 16 gigs. And XXL is $110 a month for 24 gigs of data. So access charges and device payments are, of course, extra. And Verizon's new plan includes carryover data, which is a new feature to Verizon's plan. So you automatically roll over data each month. Unused data can be accessed for one, uh, one month only, though, so keep that in mind. Also, a new safety mode feature available from the app allows people to switch to an unlimited 2G mode at 128 kilobits per second if and when they reach their LTE limit. So with safety mode enabled, users won't be charged overages for exceeding their LTE data caps. A tool called Data Boost then lets people add data piecemeal when needed and costs an extra $15 for each gigabyte. The Verizon plan also adds unlimited calling and texting to Canada and Mexico. So using many of these features, though, costs extra uh, for the small, medium, and large plans. For example, safety mode is $5 for each month when activated, as is unlimited calling to Mexico and Canada. Roaming in Canada and Mexico is $2 a day. Carryover data does not cost anything to access, though. Uh, Customers can remain on their current plans if they so desire. The Verizon, uh, my Verizon app, that is, is free to download from the Google Play or iTunes app stores. It would have been really nice if they would have just turned on the the, the cap data for free because uh, 128 really is is pretty bad. I mean, it works. It's definitely better than nothing, but that's still pretty poor. And they're charging $5 for that. That's, uh, That's pretty awful. Well, what it does is it forces you, if you happen to be someone who uses a lot of data and you want to not pay for a lot more data, if you've got to go to the $90 a month plan. Basically, this is this is an uh, ARPU grab, right? I mean, you're basically trying to get more revenue per user. And I think uh, there will be some people that will do that. They'll say, ah, for $20 more, instead of paying $5 more, I'll just pay $20 more a month. I'll go up to the $90 plan, get 16 gigs, and then over that. And, and fully, not even thinking it through, you, you now have double the amount of data on your plan that you're probably not going to use and you're never going to 
to get to that point. Uh, but you do get a lot of the features when you get up to that $90 price point. Um, and so I guess for, for two lines, if you've got two smartphones, which are what, 30 bucks a month each. So uh, $60 plus the $90, there's your $150, $75 per user. That's pretty healthy. And I think that's, I think I'm guessing what they're hoping a lot of people will shoot for. Um, you know, no word here on it. If any of these apply to business plans though, I have to imagine, you know, they, you, you can get some of the, these types of plans, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll roll some of these things around, uh, that will, will work there. But I, I can see some of this being incredibly useful, like the Mexico and Canada roaming stuff. Yeah, they already have that uh, on the business plan. I, I've got one. At, uh, that's what mine is. So I do know that. And a lot of times these features take uh, a couple of months to get uh, roll out to the business uh plans as an option uh, usually that you can choose them but but the safety thing i have a feeling that really won't make it there but it may or maybe the how about the rollover data uh, or the carryover uh, data uh, that'll be requiring to change your plan see right. like the mexico and canada thing I, I can just you know check a box and add it to my current plan but uh, my current plan is you know probably three or four years old now and it uh, it, it wouldn't have that option i'd have to change to a, an updated business plan which, you know, I mean, I think about this for, for a lot of businesses won't. They'll just stay at what they have, uh, you know, with the buckets just because if it's working, you know, don't don't try and mess with it. But uh, the other piece of it is I think there's a lot of uh, there's there are a lot of people out there that are using, um, you know, more than whatever data that they have and are, are sick of paying another 10 or 15 dollars a month for a gigabyte. And so five dollars is going to seem like a good deal and they'll be able to keep moving along. And their, their plan is it then at least consistent the price point every month. Absolutely. And that would be nice to have that as an option. If that is, you know, maybe some users would, would need it because it usually be by line. But, um, you know, my plan, I probably don't really want to change it because uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago. I, I was on a 30 gig plan. It was 225 bucks a month uh, for the 30 gigs. And then they had a, a promotion where they doubled it uh, to 60 for completely free. And I'm still stuck on that uh, doubled, uh, you know, 60 gigs for 220. So that's still a pretty good deal. Yeah, for and that's for how many users then? That's just one, so it's still forty. Well, it, it ranges based on the phone if the phone is under contract or not, because it's either forty to like twenty five dollars a month for access for smartphones. I gotcha. Interesting. Well, you know, I, I, it's good that they're at least doing some things to change this up. N none of these are, are real amazing, but uh, you know, certainly if you were paying something and, and you want to, you know, upgrade the amount of data that you have because you're going over, you can do so now and get some more data for roughly the same cost. Although you're going to have to choose whether or not you want to spend $40 a month for four gigs or to get any more data than that, you've got to spend another $30 a month. So there's no like in between there. You're either going to be spending 70 uh, if you say it's 30 bucks for a line or you're going to be spending 100. So um, depending on what you need there, that's what you can do. So I, that actually now that I'm saying that out loud, it may make sense for a lot of people to spend an extra five bucks, stick with the four gigs and then just get cap data uh, or throttle data once you get over that four gigs. So anyway, there you go if you're a Verizon customer. Sprint announcing recently that customers who add Amazon Prime to their account during the month of July will be eligible to receive 60 days of Prime benefits for free. Sprint charges $11 per month for Amazon Prime, which is added to wireless bills as a subscription. New subscribers will receive the first two months or 60 days at no charge. After that 60-day period ends, Sprint will begin to charge the $11 monthly subscription fee, or customers can cancel their Prime subscription if they'd like to as well. Customers who already subscribe to Prime via Sprint do not qualify for the free 60-day promo. And Amazon Prime includes Prime Video and Prime Music streaming services, as well as Prime Photo, online storage, video games, early access to deals, and free two-day shipping. Amazon charges $100 a year for Amazon Prime if you buy it directly from them. And Sprint customers who add their subscription will end up paying $132 
for Prime over the course of a year. So keep that in mind if you uh, choose to do this. Interesting uh, about Amazon services. I did use the Amazon video in the offline mode uh, as I was flying this week, which is uh, a first for me on that. Um, a little limited in the controls. Uh, certainly there's, uh, you you basically you've got like a play, pause and forward back, but I'm not sure what else I would want. But looking at some of the other services like a file browser app or some of the, you know, the, the VLC, I feel like there's just more, there's more to it than that. And of course, there's no picture in picture, so you can't minimize it. Um, that's not built in, or at least it's not built into the offline mode. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do that. Do you, now, because uh, I, I, I know you do it now with Netflix, right? But you're, yeah, Amazon Prime, the, the video app, you know, when, uh, normal streaming, it does support it. So you can just press the home button. It should minimize automatically into a uh, picture-in-picture window as you're watching it. I haven't tried it with the offline, uh, but I will, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I I tried it. It shut off the video. Um, so I'm not really sure why why there would be any difference there. But could it, it's not show-dependent, right? I mean, there's no, there no. wouldn't be a specific no. show. No. So. Um, anyway, uh, but I, I did enjoy being able to do that. That was that was a, a very nice thing. I, I hope Netflix comes up with uh, some way to do that as well. I, I definitely appreciated having that and will use it uh, more as a result of that. Sprint uh, has discontinued its Galaxy Forever lease program after just four months. Similar to the iPhone Forever program, the Galaxy Forever program let customers lease a Galaxy S smartphone, make 12 payments, and then trade it in for a new Galaxy S handset. The Galaxy Forever program applied to the S7 and S7 Edge and was pitched as a simpler way to upgrade to new equipment each year. Sprint customers can still lease an S7 or S7 Edge, but won't be able to enjoy the annual uh, the annual no-cost upgrade. The Galaxy Forever program is no longer on Sprint's website. They didn't provide any reasons for the change, though uh, for you Apple fans, the iPhone Forever program is still available. H2O Wireless, an MVNO that operates on AT&T's network, has increased the data available on its prepaid service plans. The company offers plans that range from $30 to $60, all of which include unlimited talk and text in the U.S. and unlimited text to more than 50 international destinations. The $30 plan includes 500 megs of 3G data, and the $35 plan gives you 500 megs of LTE data per month. The data improvements impact H2O's monthly co- more costly plans. The $40 plan jumps from 1 to 3 gigs, $50 from 2 to 4, and the $60 plan from 3 to 4.5 gigs. The company offers a 10% discount on monthly plans when customers sign up for AutoPay. So the $60 plan, for example, would cost $54. H2O sells a variety of older Android handsets such as the Galaxy S5, the original Moto X, and others. Customers may bring their own unlocked compatible GSM devices as well. MetroPCS Wednesday released new promotions for customers with multiple lines. People who port their number into MetroPCS will receive $60 to spend on any smartphone that MetroPCS sells. The company says this means nine of its handsets, including the Galaxy On 5, will be free to switchers. New lines added to existing family plans can receive 5 gigs of LTE data for $25 a month, as long as one of the other lines has equal or more data. MetroPCS claims that its new plan offerings can save Sprint, uh, Boost, and Virgin Mobile customers up to 100 per year if they switch. In device news, the Wall Street Journal is now reporting this week that the iPhone 7 will indeed ditch the 16 gigabyte tier. So for the first time ever, the base iPhone model will come in at 32 gigabytes. Uh, the 64 gig model is expected to sell for $100 more and the 128 gig model $100 on top of that. Of course, we've also heard rumors that a 256 gigabyte model may be available for an additional $100 on top of that for those that are choosing the six uh, or the seven plus or whatever we're going to call the bigger version of the next iPhone. 
BlackBerry on Wednesday, uh, on, excuse me, Tuesday announced that it will cease manufacturing of its BlackBerry Classic handset. The Classic debuted in December of 2014 and has been one of the, the last devices from BlackBerry to run the BlackBerry OS. The device featured a traditional BlackBerry design with a touch and physical QWERTY keyboard. They said it's been an incredible workhorse device for customers, exceeding all expectations. But the Classic has long surpassed the average lifespan for a smartphone in today's market. And we're ready for this change uh, for this change, so we can give our customers something better, entrenched in our legacy, in security and pedigree, and making the most productive smartphones. BlackBerry says it will continue to support the Classic and expects to roll out BlackBerry OS 10.3.3 in August. The device is still available online from select retailers. Again, this may be the last time we talk about BlackBerry hardware on this show in the context of it being separated from Android. Yeah, at first I wasn't even sure if this was an, uh, a, a BlackBerry OS X device because, you know, classic. I couldn't remember if this was a 10 or, a, you know, one of those really legacy like uh, BlackBerry 7 OS devices. But it is a 10 OS uh, device, which is, uh, you, you know, this was their last, you know, attempt at trying to sell their classic hardware with the keyboard. And this it, it just goes to show it just it, it's just done. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense for them to keep supporting this operating system when you've got, you know, just a handful of devices here. You know, roll out 1033, uh, support that from a security perspective. And, you know, I think that's about the the extent of what they need to do. So uh, we'll see. But again, I, I, I've got my doubts that we're going to be talking about new BlackBerry OS hardware. It just doesn't seem likely anymore. Boost Mobile and Virgin Mobile US on Friday announced the availability of the Alcatel Dawn. This is a low-cost Android handset. It features a 4.5-inch screen, 854 by 480 resolution, 1.1 gig quad-core processor, and a gig of RAM. Uh, it supports Android 6 Marshmallow, only costs $70, and has service plans from Boost and Virgin that work on it starting at $35 a month. Samsung on Thursday announced a range of universal flash storage memory cards meant for use with video applications. They are known as UFS, and this UFS spec has been used for embedded memory modules since 2015. This is, though, the first time UFS has appeared in removable memory cards. It's a generational leap faster than the eMMC standard still used by the majority of devices today. Samsung's new UFS cards will have a read speed of 530 megabits per second, five times faster than that of current microSD cards. Samsung says it's fast enough to read an entire HD movie in about 10 seconds. Write speeds will reach 170 megabits per second, twice the speed of today's top-end microSD cards. And uh, Samsung says these fast read-write speeds will be ideal for DSLR cameras, drones, 3D and VR cameras, as well as other action cameras. In order for the cards to achieve this performance, two sets of connectors are needed, which allow for simultaneous reading and writing of separate dedicated paths for each action. The cards are similar in size to microSD cards, but have a different shape. The shape and double connector requirements make the UFS cards incompatible with today's microSD slots. Samsung hasn't said if or when the company will introduce UFS cards to its smartphones and tablets. Moreover, the industry at large has not publicly agreed to transition from microSD to UFS, though they are available now in 32, 64, 128, and 256 gigabyte capacities. Pricing and availability, though, were not disclosed. In software news, Apple on Thursday made iOS 10 beta available to the public. The public beta follows the recent release of iOS 10 beta 2 for developers. Many, but not all, of iOS's 10's new features will be contained in the beta. A full release of iOS 10 is scheduled for this fall. Uh, these include support for third-party applications in Siri, refreshed iMessage, Maps, Photos, and News applications, as well as an expanded and refreshed lock screen and more 3D touch functionality. 
Apple also uh, this week said the first public beta of Mac OS Sierra is now available. The big feature in Sierra is the addition of Siri to Apple's Mac computers. Both of the betas are free to download and install from Apple's website. The caveat to this, uh, you should not probably install these on mission critical devices or devices that you are not willing to update regularly with the updates that happen. I think it's what, every two weeks, something like that on the beta? Something like that. Yeah, I, I, I did the early beta for, I can't even remember what it, what, what features it was for now. Uh, it, I think it was iOS 8, I believe, but uh, it, it was a pain in the neck because it was updating constantly. And of course, it was pretty rough. Yeah, and so, and again, it's it. Not all the features are included, and don't expect to uh, have that uh, running as smoothly as you would something from iOS nine, which just had a lot of bugs squashed in it. So, keep that in mind. Google recently uh, updated Google Maps with the ability to plan multi-stop trips. The latest version of Google Maps for Android allows people to add multiple destinations to a single excursion. Users can reorder stops as needed and search for specific locations, such as gas stations or restaurants, and add them then to the route. The feature is coming to Google Maps for Android first, uh, with Android Maps for iOS to soon follow. Google says Maps users will have location history, who have location history turned on, can view their travel timeline and select any date from recent trips to see the photos they took on that day as well. Google Maps is free to download from the Play Store. Amazon Underground and Boingo Wireless on Wednesday said people who download Boingo's application from Amazon Underground will be given six months of free Wi-Fi. The offer is good between now and the end of the year, and Boingo's Wi-Finder application is free to download and helps people find and access the, the company's thousands of Wi-Fi hotspots around the world. Free access to Wi-Fi could be beneficial for international travelers over the summer months. Amazon Underground is only available to Android devices and must be sideloaded directly from Amazon's website. Amazon Underground offers free versions of games and other apps that normally carry some sort of fee these apps are supported through ads google on wednesday announced an update for now on tap that adds new functions to the tool first a long press of the home button will allow people to scan any qr code or barcode when using the camera once scanned google will return basic information about the product complete with links to more in-depth searches now on tap can now translate languages in nearly any screen and now on tap can direct foreign languages Detect foreign languages, that is, in a wide variety of applications. Users can tap the translation card to translate the languages on the screen to a device's native language. Also, at launch, the feature will support translations of English, French, Italian, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and Russian. Finally, Google added a Discover Mode tool that can be used to deliver a stream of visual content related to whatever is on the screen. Google says it is best used for browsing and exploring rather than finding specific details. The new Now on Tap tools are available in the Google Search application for devices running Android 6, Marshmallow, and up. Facebook recently added new features to its Messenger platform to help improve how bots perform with Facebook Messenger. People can now rate bots so developers can have more direct feedback on what works and what doesn't. Bots will be able to offer quick reply selections to help users know what type of request within the context of a conversation. A persistent menu should help end users get used to chatting with bots no matter what developer designs that bot. Bot conversations also gain access to more content types such as photos, videos, GIFs, and audio files. Finally, end users will be given more control over bot conversations, such as the ability to mute them when it's inconvenient to receive messages. Facebook says its developer partners will have created more than have created more than eleven thousand bots for Messenger already, with more than twenty-three thousand developers working on them. Facebook first introduced them several months ago. And Skype this week updated its mobile and desktop apps to increase the file sharing experience. Skype users can now send files up to 300 megabytes to friends and family through the application 
and you no longer need to be online to receive the shared files. The files will be waiting when you log in and Skype users can now retrieve the shared files multiple times. So for example, people can download a Word document to their smartphone for editing on the go, then download it again from the desktop when they're back, uh, to the desktop when they're back in the office. Previously, files could only be downloaded to a single device. Skype is free to mobile devices from the Google Play Store and iTunes App Store. And remember, years ago, we were trying to send files through Skype, Mickey, and it would, it would literally run at like, what, 100 bytes per second? I mean, it was so slow. Hopefully, they've sped that up a little bit. I would hope so for 300 megabyte files. <laughs> Commuters who select the Long Island Railroad and Metro North routes uh, in the uh, New York area can use the Metropolitan Transportation Authority's new eTix application to purchase, activate, and use train tickets. The MTA says the mobile ticketing is available to those who ride the LIRR Port Washington branch or the Metro North Hudson line and with support for all branches and lines due by the end of the year. So the app is available to Android and iOS and it lets commuters purchase a single ride, round trip, 10 trip, or weekly ticket. Computers will then need to activate individual tickets when boarding trains to make sure their phone is available for conductors to validate each ticket. Imagine the day when it, it'll be easy as it is to uh, pay with your Apple Watch at, uh, at, you know, at stores that support it. If you just double tap the home button and you know, hold the watch up to the terminal, that would just be so handy. It's interesting because you can you can sort of do that at places like Starbucks, but it's not through the Apple Pay section. You've got to go into the Starbucks app. It's just I don't even do it as a result. Or I guess you go through the Passbook app, but why you can't just double tap it and see all of your cards slash loyalty cards doesn't make any sense. And I, 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 I it, it, it just baffles me that you can't do this in an easier way. Um, like as an example, I think on Southwest you can have your boarding passes loaded into um, the Passbook application or your wallet, I guess is what it is. But I believe you have to have the Southwest app on the phone in order for it to do that, which yep. I don't. Yep. And so it's it's constantly frustrating to have those types of things that don't work and why you can't just do things like send to phone type of thing, right? I, I don't need to, I don't ever book on Southwest.com or Southwest app. I always do it on Southwest.com. I don't need the app on my phone and I don't want it just to have that, you know, I'll go and print my paper ticket there as a result of 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 the inconvenience so anyway uh, Facebook on Friday said it's been exploring new features through Facebook Messenger that will give people the ability to secure their conversations. So Facebook is looking at end-to-end encryption between two devices. So messages sent through an encrypted channel will be fully protected uh, and visible only to the sender and recipient. Facebook is calling these secret conversations. Moreover, such conversations will support uh, other content, so you'll be able to control the length of time messages will remain visible within a conversation, similar to Snapchat. Facebook imagines these tools will help protect sensitive and private information shared between two people. These features are available for a limited number of users. Facebook expects to expand them to more users by the end of the summer. And finally, in the news, a quick note about Walmart Pay. Wednesday, Walmart said that the mobile payment service is now available to all of its stores across the country. That's 4,600 locations. Questions and comments this week. I first up a comment from Dan. He says, guys, I know this is a long, uh, long comment here, but feel free to read what you need. I've just learned that others reporting back their experience going to different countries in the podcast. So I wanted to give some as well. Seven weeks ago, I was asking questions regarding the best options on a for cellular connectivity on a trip to Zimbabwe. I returned and would like to report back, especially since I'm sure there's not a lot of people that have been to the southern continent of Africa. So I ordered my SIM card from National Geographic's sponsored service, which is sailorabroad.com. They guaranteed I'd receive the card in the mail a week before I left on my trip. 
though it never arrived. I was, uh, it was waiting for me when I got back, so that money was wasted. When I arrived in Zimbabwe's capital, I got off the plane and purchased an EcoNet SIM card, $10 for 350 megabytes in 100 minutes. Fortunately, since I had my iPhone, they had a nano SIM, and they activated me for $2, only $2 for activation. Anyway, as we went into the southern part of Zimbabwe, literally called the bush, I lost coverage quickly. However, my friends with Verizon had coverage most of the trip. Verizon had told me they didn't offer coverage in Zimbabwe. Whoops. If I ever go back, uh, the way I will go is just to pay Verizon's international data and voice plan. Despite my having received a great rate, means nothing since there isn't service. Also, messages didn't work because my account is registered with my number in the States, so Wi-Fi is a bust since I could not message or FaceTime to anybody. Lessons learned. Thanks, Daniel. And I guess what, what he means by that is, um, since you basically have a phone number now on that phone, that's not part of your attached to your account. You can no longer receive iMessages, messages, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the, then, you know, it's a, it's a different phone number and then whoever you're sending to it's, uh, uh, then it's an international number instead of the local uh, number of everybody else you're around still has us numbers. So then it just defeats the whole purpose of it. Yeah. And I, I never, I never realized that's what would happen. I guess you have to know if you've got an international number to activate that with, iMessage you would have to do that first right because if you're if you're doing it over iMessage you're doing it over data so that's that's no big deal but I, it's it's kind of confusing as to as to why that happened but well, right but but that's kind of the way it goes I mean that's why uh, back in the day Google Voice was so powerful because then you would, it would keep the same thing but that's still over data for the most part but it wasn't always because you could still do SMS and she'll still show your normal phone number so that's where it became uh, more powerful, but of course, then roaming that didn't always work either. So it, it it's it's not easy uh, if you're changing phone numbers. Yeah, I guess you know lesson learned as you pointed out. Uh, probably the easiest way, and I guess we've mentioned this before, is just to keep your phone number that you have and uh, try and get the best plan that you can with uh, with your current carrier, uh, albeit uh, that may not definitely be the cheapest way. And according to Verizon's international coverage map, which I have not seen before right this moment, uh, they've never had a, an actual map before. And you can actually see all the cell towers uh, in Zimbabwe that uh, uh, Verizon Wireless has. It looks like mostly 2G coverage. Uh, there is some 3G coverage. Uh, it doesn't look like they have any LTE there, but that's uh, what they sh they do show service there in Zimbabwe. However, it is spotty. And I'm sure the, the, the charges there, are international charges, are minimum of a dollar. That's probably an area that you're probably paying two or more dollars um, as it's, uh, you know, kind of a remote area. Uh, and I'm sure data is, is not cheap as well. Though I guess the good news is that you're not going to be streaming music or video over uh, a 2G connection. And so you're probably not going to use all that much and be able to, you know, stay in touch with people as needed. So that is, I guess, a nice way to go. Next up here is a question for Patrick. He says, I need your opinion on something. I asked an AT&T representative why I should go with an AT&T uh, prepaid instead of Cricket, which is $5 less for almost the same data plan. Since both use the same network and Cricket is owned by AT&T, she told me that Cricket has less priority in terms of the network use, like in times of congestion. Can you tell me if this is true? Thanks, Patrick. Well, uh, first off, yes, the priority of calls when the network is congested is going to be lower um, on prepaid, and I would imagine lower as well on Cricket. I, I don't know the hierarchy of how it works on AT&T prepaid versus Cricket. Uh, but, but that aside, the real difference is that Cricket is going to throttle your download speeds. You have access to download speeds up to 4 megabits per second on the HSPA service and 8 megabits per second on the LTE service. So 
that is that is really the biggest difference here. And I don't believe you've got that limitation on the AT&T prepaid plan. And realistically, it's hard to judge uh, whether or not this would be ever an issue, depending on where you're at. Most of the time, you know, the cell tower that you're connecting to or, or towers you connect to may not be overloaded at all. So it may not matter. So it, it's really tough to, uh, to, to, to judge this and the priority. And, and we know we've always heard rumors that they, they'd set priorities, but I'm not sure if it's always necessarily true. Uh, and I guess it, it also in today's world, how many, you know, how many times are you going to find yourself in a situation where you've got this as an issue? So um, the other thing you don't get and you wouldn't get this with uh, the prepaid service either is access to the roaming agreements uh, that AT&T has if you go with their postpaid service. So whether you're with Cricket or t or uh, AT&T prepaid, you're not going to get to roam if you're not in native AT&T coverage areas. So it's something to keep in mind too is could be another issue for you or maybe it's not i'm not really sure but uh just some things to to note there if you're deciding on which one of these to go with finally today is a question from michael he says mickey and joey i received the new ipad pro 9.7 and i'm looking for a good keyboard case for the device i recently purchased um the squeeze keyboard case um it offers a lot of options from the typical uh, from from a typing and portrait landscape experience to disconnecting the keyboard and still having it in the case, and it also comes with the stylus. The problem is that the keyboard is a little compressed, and it's just not that great of a physical keyboard. Any options that you could recommend in a good keyboard case for the iPad Pro 9.7 would be greatly appreciated. Love the show, Michael. So, um, first off, Michael, you know I don't have the Pro, so I can't give you specific recommendations on a particular model. But let me tell you a couple of things to look for uh, from kind of my perspective on this, and some of the things that I've really liked uh, out of keyboards in the past. So. I've been recently using one from Kensington. It is a keyboard case uh, on the iPad Air 2, uh, and I've been using it for the last few months, and I've had a lot of success with it. It is a folio-style one. Uh, it uses magnets to keep uh, the to keep it attached to the iPad, so it kind of folds onto itself, uh, and then the magnets hold the iPad up. It also continues to fold basically all the way underneath itself, so you can use it in tablet mode. So think of kind of an iPad that is the back of it is sitting against the keyboard and that's kind of how it folds onto itself though uh, a couple of things that I the first off to say that I don't like about it it's not light um, it also uh, comes apart easily so as in if you're sitting there with it kind of with, with the in keyboard mode and you pick it up you grab the key the the iPad itself and pick it up the magnets disconnect very easily so you can't like you can't carry it around like that. You've got to like un- unmagnet it and kind of close it up to move it from one spot to another. Um, it uh, it also is um, you know it, it is not the I'll say the most sturdy thing. So you have to again if you're typing on your lap or something like that. It's it it, it can be a, feel a little bit janky compared to like a, a traditional laptop, but. Um, Having a keyboard while you're traveling, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is quite nice, and I do prefer typing on it versus any other keyboard on a tablet that I've had. Yeah, the, you know, versus the on-screen keyboard, there's just no comparison, really. I mean, there just isn't. Uh, one thing that, uh, that the Pro then offers, of course, you know, has the, you know, the, the smart connector, so you do not need a battery pack within the keyboard, and, and thus the issue of weight and the issue of those magnets not being able to hold on can be basically reduced or eliminated because you don't need a battery and all that extra support required. Yeah, and if you go through, uh, you know, Apple, you're going to pay a lot of money. I, I don't remember what the cost is, $160 or something like that for $130, something like that for the keyboard. It's not cheap. Um, you know, the other thing that I would say as you're looking at these keyboards, and, and the reason that I, I've had... Um, you know, kind of uh, trepidation from trying to figure out whether or not I could go with a pro and then go with Apple's keyboard uh, as a result 
are a couple of things. So first off, um, they they don't do backlighting on the keyboard for for those, and I'm not sure if that's a smart connector issue. I'm I'm assuming you could power some LEDs over a connector; it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, I really like, really, really like having a backlit keyboard. Um, it's something that drives me crazy whenever I use a keyboard that doesn't have it. Um, I find myself, you know, especially not as much in the summer months, but you know, in the winter months, certainly. I, I'm I, I'm an early riser, so I'll grab the the iPad and go and sit at the counter and drink coffee and like prefer not having all of the lights on in the house in order to do so or sitting on the couch watching tv at night and you've got the ipad it's just the, the lighted keyboard definitely comes in handy um the other thing is when it comes to having a keyboard and the functionality that it provides obviously from being able to type um i also like to have the extra row of dedicated keys that do different functions so I love having uh, the volume up and down keys on the keyboard. I love having the play and pause and skip track keys for listening to music. I love having a home button. I love having a power button. Uh, and all of these are things that you will not get on uh, an Apple keyboard. So keep that in mind that if you are choosing one of their keyboards, it's basically like choosing a traditional, like, uh, you know, Bluetooth. It's not even, I can't even say it's like a traditional keyboard because the Bluetooth keyboards that come with Macs have all of this stuff on them. But um, it's it's basically just letters and then a number row. Um, the other thing is make sure that you, hopefully you can, you can test them out. So going through a place like Amazon is a good place because they're, to your point, whether it feels a little compressed, the keys feel too compact, uh, whatever it is, you're going to be typing a lot on this thing if you're going with a keyboard. Make sure that it feels comfortable to you. That's why I like this Kensington one because um, it's worked out really well. So um, that is, that's about the only thing that I can recommend that's attached. I've tried Zag ones in the past. I don't feel comfortable recommending you go with a Zag at this point. Unfortunately, I've just had too many issues with the with the attached ones. So. Yeah, that, absolutely. And of course, as you mentioned, you know, Apple keyboard, you can actually, you know, pair a standard Apple Bluetooth keyboard to your uh, iPad as well. Absolutely. I've done that. Again, not a case, uh, but certainly if you've got like a, you know, a folio style uh, leather cover or whatever you want to call it, and you want to just keep it in that most of the time and then use a keyboard, you can do that. Um, if you're looking for something that I would I would recommend even more than the Apple Bluetooth keyboard is the Microsoft wireless Bluetooth keyboard. I've had that one for the past year. Um, it connects obviously over Bluetooth. It's got a built-in battery. Uh, but the thing that's great about it is it connects up to three devices and it, there's a little switch on it. It lets you switch back and forth. Um, and so it it has it, it it has a little cover that comes on it, so you can you can use it, and that cover has a slot in it, so you use that as the stand for the tablet, um, which I really enjoyed using, and uh, I might in fact use it again. I've got a, a smart cover that's on order uh, to to try stepping away from a keyboard again for a little bit of time. I do this fairly regularly, but uh, again, not a cover case style thing, but certainly something that you might uh, you, you might consider as well. Um, so check out those, the, the Microsoft wireless Bluetooth keyboard, and then check out what Kensington offers for iPad Pro 9.7s. And uh, anyone else has any other recommendations, would love to hear them too. So the Amazon Prime video does support picture-in-picture offline uh, viewing. So what's what's my problem? How come you I may can... not have it turned on? Uh, I suppose that's true. Although I was doing... But don't you remember? I was doing it. I, I did it on uh, on the website. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it to work. So... I'm not sure. I'll, I'll reboot the thing and try it again. Um, I literally had just downloaded the app, loaded some stuff on it, and and off I went. So I also realized that I downloaded a movie and like, I don't know, half a dozen TV shows or something like that. And it was like 15 gigs of data that it took up on that. I could not believe how much space it took on the device. Uh, and it took forever to download too. But 
um, you know, either way, it's uh, I, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm just apparently am incompetent when it comes to picture in picture on the iPad. So I'll try it again. Well, that's it for today. If you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. Uh, questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the email address. Phone number is 650-999-0524. Would love to hear from you uh, with any questions or comments that you may have. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com. <laughs>